everybody, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. It is October 8th, 2020, and I am joined, sitting across the table from me, by Jenny. Hello! Who's just wrapping up a little bit of work, but uh, she'll be... Sorry, I'll minimize the clicking. She'll be fully engaged uh, (laughs) soon. And 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. Hello, Megan. So, uh... Well, wrapping up my work is not going to prevent me from doing what I do every week. And what's that? The Elite Beat Pop of the Week. All right, let's have it. All right, this week we are enjoying a Gloria Ferrar Extra Brute. That's right, Extra Brute. Extra Brute. So, very confusing. Typically, um, listeners might see Extra Dry label on a champagne and what i think is very confusing is extra dry is actually sweeter than a brute yeah so but so is it so is an extra brute sweeter than a brute no okay no so a extra brute is drier so, so you would so brute is a descriptor of dryness, while right. sweet is a descriptor of sweetness. Or, no, I guess there is no descriptor of sweetness. Yeah, it's just like brute means dry, basically. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Demi sec is very sweet. That's the sweetest. Well, I guess sec is the sweetest, then demi sec, then I believe it's extra dry, then brute, and then extra, brute. and then extra brute. Okay. Um, you might also see something um, that actually the driest is a zero dosage, which I've never seen in America. Um, we have had while we were in the Champagne region in France, and that means that um, there's no sugar added with the disgorgement. So um, the the sweetness level actually comes from after the champagne has been through its second fermentation process and uh, maturation process then the um there's a riddling process to get all of those yeasts and sugars to the front of the bottle the neck mm-hmm. the neck of the bottle um and then they ice it they put it in really cold to like ice the um the top and then they pop the cork out and with that comes like a little ice cube that has all the yeast and stuff in it yeah but it also reduces the level of liquid in the bottle so then they add what they call a um dosage which um is some sugar and depending on the level of dryness of the champagne and also a little bit more um wine in there too to fill it up and so the dosage process is where you get the sweetness in champagne great nice now something that like a lot of people might not know the riddling process that champagne must undergo can only be carried out by edward nigma so he's very busy (laughs) all the time going from champagnery to champagnery to carry out this riddling process who's edward nigma don't worry about it megan what have you got this week remember when icing was when you did something to make somebody drink a smirnoff ice i can't remember what it was 
But you ice people? I think it's just like you trick them into like looking at or accepting a can of Smirnoff ice. Guys, yeah, I, didn't you? I you had to do. That... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Jenny, because I don't remember what the the process was. But you had to do something, and then if you caught if you caught the poor person on the other end of it in a certain way, they had to drink a Smirnoff ice and got iced. So I have no idea what this is referencing, but on an episode of Below Deck or Below Deck Med, I can't remember, they did that ice process. I thought it was just this like this weird group of friends that did this, but they like requested Smirnoff ice on their preference sheet, and then they had the crew like hide Smirnoff ice throughout the yacht, like, and then anyone who found a Smirnoff ice had to drink it. Was very odd, but is that from a movie or something? I think it was like maybe like an early example of viral marketing, actually. Yeah, guys, I found an article from Delish dot com. It says everything you know need to know about getting iced, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not about just a prank. There are strict rules, apparently. So here are the rules as Delish dot com reports them. Uh, one, if you're a bro and you find an ice that's been hidden, you have to point it at the sky, open it, take a knee, and chug it. If you don't, you can never ice another bro, and you're pretty much not a bro, the self-proclaimed bro in the video said. There was a video also. Uh, according to the video, it's bros icing bros, no hoes, which is very problematic. Uh, but now, yeah, Why by now, the prank has out? overcome all gender barriers. In hashtag 2018. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, so it took until 2018 to yeah. be able to get iced as a woman? I yeah, it started in 2010. But... <laughs> Thank God we earned our right to be iced by bros. We have to own up to something. Uh-oh. My friend Adam and I created the uh, monthly uh, event, Broin' Down. We used to often joke... Uh, when 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 uh, people would occasionally ask uh, if they could bring a girl, or if one of our female friends asked if they could attend, we would perhaps say, perhaps write somewhere. <laughs> this probably lives on the internet, unfortunately. Uh, it's called Bruin Down, not Hoin' Down, and wow. that was 2007. I was old enough to know better, but I I feel especially bad about it. Uh, you know now. Hashtag all men. I've apologized many times before for this. Rule three. If a bro has an ice on him when somebody tries to ice him, the bro who iced him gets iced back and has to chug both the ices. Wait, finally, so, hold on. So if you are trying to ice someone, but they were also planning on icing you, then you, you have to, like, basically, whoever goes first in the attempt... Has to do, drink both ices? Uh, yes. Okay. Like, by being prepared to ice someone, you have officially become immune to icing. I assume... <laughs> I assume <laughs> that no one who carries around Smirnoff ices is, like, doing it for the purpose of wanting to drink it. I, I just assume It's a defense everyone, mechanism. Yeah, it's a defense mechanism, or it's, like, an, like, ready to be on the offense against someone else, right? Yes, but here's the thing. The final rule, rule number four, covers a little bit of what you're thinking, too. You've got to hide the ice like it's an Easter egg. You can't just hand an ice to someone and force them to drink it. A bro has to put an effort before the other bro has to take a knee. 
Why do you have to take a knee? Because that's what getting iced means, I guess. Okay. Dave Lang used to talk about getting iced sometimes on his podcast, Steam DFB Radio. Um, and there were some good, fun examples of that on there. I'll have to, maybe I'll have to go back and find those episodes because, you know, Dave Lang talking about getting iced is pretty funny. I thought he was just yeah. a rhino. He is. Again, you, nobody wants to drink the Smirnoff ice. <laughs> it does appear in this picture on this article, though, that there are bros holding giant Smirnoff ices, but also, uh, in the other hand, one bro has, I believe, an energy drink, and the other bro has some sort of white wine. The label's not clear. So I don't know what these bros are doing, but 2010 was a wild year, huh? Yeah, sounds like it. Man, yeah. that, was, that was that long ago that the icing craze was? That's when it started, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And by 2018, the women had gained rights to be iced. Yeah. So aren't we all proud of progress? <laughs> all right. It, it, uh, anyway, thank, I mean, thank, thank sorry. Megan. Megan, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, yes, yeah. you, sorry. You, you, still haven't, you still haven't done your pop, that's right. I'm actually drinking because you're not ice. No. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm drinking a Piper Sonoma Brute. Ooh, nice. I haven't yeah. had Piper Sonoma in a while. Yeah, I thought, you know, get them groceries ordered. That was on the list, so I went with it. Um, let's see how good of a pop Piper Sonoma can give us since it's been a while for, for both of us. Here we go. It's been a while. <laughs> Ooh, that's a satisfying pop. This is the first yeah. week in a long time I'm pleased with both pops, to be quite honest. Oh man, he's been secretly stewing over these lackadaisical pops. I have found uh, on winefolly.com, I have found a bit of a chart for like the sweetness, like like the actual terminology. It goes from du, D-O-U-X, which is the sweetest, to demisec, to dry, to extra dry, to brute, to extra brute, to Brute nature. I don't think we've Am ever had a brute I was just nature. trying to flush it out. <laughs> Jenny, did you ever have a brute nature? Is that like a French that's thing? A zero dosage. Yeah, I was about to say, I think that's kind of... And I have had one of those, and it is a... What's oh my god? What did um what did Rex used to call? Oh, god. A moisture magnet. Ooh. Yes. That's my turn. I remember that. I came up with moisture magnet. <laughs> Rex getting called out. I'm giving Rex credit for my terms. It's bullshit. <laughs> had to listen to someone on the Brown Zoom call this weekend try to say I didn't come up with Dawson in the dark. What a load of shit. <laughs> anyway. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. That was a good one, but it was almost empty glass, and Jenny looked at it like she was afraid it was going to shatter. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that. <laughs> Megan, how was how did you find being the elite uh, being the elite this week? Episode two twenty four entitled "Just Kenny Omega." Uh, I thought it was okay, but 
other recent ones have been better. Yeah, I it was I don't know. There weren't a lot of great bits on it this week. I uh I was afraid that Brody was going to flash people again when he when he walked up. Yeah, I do think that's really tone deaf in a company about inclusion and stuff. You shouldn't show your your privates off to people unless they ask you to. But he didn't do it. Right. I'm just saying last week can thing and that's you know that's a problem yeah i think the the main kind of thing on this episode was that brandon cutler introduced the being the elite championship which will not just be defended in wrestling matches uh it's going to be any form of competition and i'm assuming it will only be defended on being the elite which at least kind of gives i don't know it gives the show some kind of focus, although maybe it's just going to be one of those things that they do it for six weeks, like a regular BTE bit, and then it's gone. Mm. Sounds like the 24-hour a... championship. Maybe. It was a fancy-looking belt, though, guys. Like, they they put some effort into mocking that up if they're not really going to use it. These people, and by these people, I mean Tony Khan and the Young Bucks and, you know, all those folks, they spend a lot of money on championship belts. <laughs> and... True diamond rings and diamond rings yes but uh yeah i yeah i don't even want to like talk too much about it it was it was it was not much of an episode although i did like as usual john silver was the highlight as he and uh alan angels tried to recruit sammy guevara but alan angels was not (laughs) he was not cool enough and uh sammy sammy wouldn't go for it because uh he was like john you're cool but alan angels sucks so i'm not gonna join the dark order Honestly, if that guy wasn't here, I probably would have said yes. Yeah. And Hangman did a good promo with Brandon Cutler. I actually really enjoyed uh, the acting in that segment. I like the end of it where he's like, I'm going to go ride in the back of a pickup truck and throw watermelons at shit. You want to come with? Oh, well that leads into his public service announcement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. I guess, the, the, I mean... Maybe I should just read that now, because it doesn't really fit into, uh... Yeah, that's why I said that. Well, thank you, Jenny. It was an excellent, excellent segue. And if I had been ready... Oh, I'm sorry. ...with the tweet on hand, which I now have... All right. First of all, let me say, Hangman Page has maybe the best stationery in the business. Mm -hmm. He's got got a logo with a horse that says Hangman. It says, uh transcribed from a series of drunken voicemails left on an AEW Aaron's Boys phone by Hangman Adam Page for release as soon as they say it on Dynamite. And it's true. This this came out like right after the announcement on Dynamite. Hangman Adam Page to enter the tournament to name a number one contender to the AEW World Championship. After deep contemplation about half a bottle of Scotch bourbon whiskey and chucking a dozen watermelons at a red oak out the back of a pickup, Hangman Adam Page has decided to enter the single elimination tournament to decide a number one contender to the All Elite Wrestling World Championship. Hangman Adam Page has dictated his reasons for entering as follows. The tournament could provide Hangman Adam Page with his first opportunity to challenge for the AEW World Championship since his catastrophic and embarrassing loss to Chris Jericho at All Out 2019. As a child, Hangman Adam Page unintelligible the voicemail devolved into a slurred monologue with the occasional yell followed by two minutes of silence third point 
Hangman Adam Page thinks that the AEW World Championship is the best-looking championship, even more detailed and shiny than the Tag Team Championships, it would look cool as Hangman's big-ass belt buckle. To get ready for this sure-to-be-grueling tournament, Hangman Adam Page will be preparing with the following. To get his body into better shape, Hangman Adam Page will reduce his whiskey intake by only drinking every other day. Hangman Adam Page will continue to wear a mask while in public, wash his hands, and social distance to avoid contracting COVID-19 to preserve the integrity of his lungs and his character. Good boy. Hangman Adam Page will take virtual slackline lessons to better understand the way of Phoenix of the Lucha Bros. Uh, bounces around the ropes before hitting a maneuver. Hangman Adam Page will begin making up reasons to hate Colt Cabana. Despite his alignment with the Dark Order, he has always been kind to Page. Evil Uno was nice recently, too, dissuading the rest of the Dark Order from attacking Page during their match. Damn, that's weird. Hangman Adam Page will make an even further attempt to strengthen his religion so that he could pray to God that he doesn't have to face Wardlow and his big muscle tits. <laughs> to prepare for the possibility of winning the tournament, Hangman Adam Page will begin watching Renee's Instagram stories to learn current champion John Moxley's weaknesses. Page will also attempt to soften challenger and possible champion Lance Archer with flattery, frequently finding excuses to tell him how handsome he's looking on Dynamite Days. If you would like more information about Hangman Adam Page's decision to enter the number one contendership tournament, quote, tell them to piss off. I don't have time to do all their stupid podcasts. God, I got so much shit to do right now. Are you listening? Hello. It's one of the best things I've ever seen <laughs> in this business that I love. And uh, Renee actually responded to the tweet. Uh, by writing, well, hope you like cooking videos and dogs, buckaroo. Yep. And he probably does. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure he does. He does. And yeah. unfortunately, yeah, Moxley does not make appearances on her Instagram stories. Mm -mm. And she makes a lot of Instagram stories. <laughs> All right, Megan, let us, let us get into 30 years of Chris Jericho on AEW Dynamite. Okay. 30 years of Jericho naturally starts with a video package of all the young guys in AEW talking about how they grew up watching Jericho and how he shaped their careers, which was actually like very genuine and sweet. Uh, I would love to, but um, it feels like everyone in that company was touched by Jericho's career at some point, so... I guess technically he's responsible for what we've got today. Yeah, I mean he's I mean he's in large part responsible for the company existing at all. So yeah, I think that really gets solidified seeing something like this, though, knowing how many people, um, like multiple people, mentioned reading his book, watching him on TV, using it as like the the book is the blueprint to get into wrestling, mm -hmm. and so man, it's. It's kind of weird how much of a direct effect he had on all these people that now work with him, which I think would be really mind-blowing if, it, you know, if you were one of those guys working in the company. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and it's kind of inevitable when you're, still, when you're still active at a high level after 30 years that a lot of people who grew up with you as, like, one of their heroes are going to be your colleagues all of a sudden. Yeah. It's just... He's doing way better than the legends in WWE 
who may have also had the same impact, but then let themselves go real bad. Yeah, let themselves go or just like didn't get booked well, you know, <laughs> like because that's kind True. of like a WWE problem. True. Like Jericho, like has I think they've done a good job making him still pretty special. So yeah. Who who's been wrestling actively for thirty years? Other than Jericho, it, like who from is, the WWE? Who from WWE? Nobody. Well, is Dustin Rhodes near that marker? Uh, yeah, Dustin started in like '89, I think. So he's been 31 years in. Um, I don't think anybody who wrestles for WWE has Not wrestled like for that long. Triple H? No, he was like '93, '94 is when he got okay. his start. Yeah. And I mean, Undertaker, Undertaker if you except want to call, he's Undertaker's pretty much retired. So. Yeah. But he started in like the mid '80s. So he's yeah he'd he'd be longer around longer but I mean, you know. Jericho wrestles fairly often. Yeah, I mean it's like yeah. he's a weekly wrestler. Yeah. I mean at least promoing every week. Yeah, yeah. Like Undertaker has I think he's wrestled probably like, I don't know less than ten matches in the last seven or eight years. Right. So, which you know no no shade on him because, you know God knows <laughs> he's probably in agony but. Yeah, there's not a lot of guys who have been in this business for 30 years who have, you know, who are as active as Chris Jericho is. That's really impressive. It is, yeah. He's taken a couple of breaks to do other stuff, you know, like get the band going and things like that. But, uh, what? No, no I know he has. I just, I mean, <laughs> gotta get the band going. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But he took, he took a full two, two like a little over two years off of wrestling in the mid 2000s um, to kind of focus on other things, trying to get other areas of his entertainment career going. And so I think that probably helped a lot to, you know, not take any bumps for two years plus. (laughs) Yeah. So this, this 30 years of Jericho celebration, I didn't know if it was going to be like, what was his big, last year Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah like a bash like that where it's like comedic but mm-hmm. this honestly the segments on this seem all very heartfelt and and genuine in a way that i didn't really expect so yeah they didn't really go comedic until the the main event segment yeah and by that time it was like okay yeah that it makes sense but um yeah so going into this this 30th anniversary for chris jericho show was surprisingly restrained yeah well, uh, I, think, I think that he is a, you know he obviously has a lot of kind of creative influence on the product and and i'm sure that this is something that was really important to him and that and that you know he's he's he takes his, his career very seriously and and i'm sure that he as he should and he should be very proud of his career and i'm sure that he just wanted a show that would like kind of reflect that yeah 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 i mean there's also, and this is not just limited to Jericho, but, you know, sometimes people get a little bit of a ego going. And if given the opportunity to have a whole show all about them, uh, restraint is not exercised. <laughs> and honestly, I kind of thought Jericho was going to be one of those people, based on the way he talked about himself, and does talk about himself on his podcast sometimes. Uh, so I was surprised. It almost didn't seem like a special night, except for the interstitials of 
video messages from his friends telling him how awesome he was. Yeah, so we had we had this opening segment with with uh, testimonials from the young talent talking about you know their their favorite Jericho moments and and what he means to them and things like that, and then we had three interstitials with kind of celebrities or people in the wrestling business who couldn't be there but wanted to offer their their congratulations, and then we just and we had the main event segment. So yeah, like for a Jericho themed show, it didn't take up that much time, really. Nope. And it wasn't even like the inner circle dominated matches on it. Because I think that literally Jericho's match was the only time that they were seen. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, good yes. for him. Yeah. All right. With that being said, <laughs> all that lead up, let's get into it. The first match was Will Hobbs versus Brian Cage for the... FTW World Championship, which realistically means nothing. Um, it's a fake championship. Yep. Well, Luckily, because well, Taz is—he's really Taz. pushing it. I care about Taz. Well, so Taz is on commentary, but he also for this match brings Ricky Starks out to join him because Team Taz is united. Mother boy Brian Cage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man. So that... Jim Ross calls Ricky Starks Ricky Skaggs right off the bat, and if you don't know who Ricky Skaggs is, he's a he's a blues legend, a uh, blues guitar legend, and or actually I think he plays the mandolin. I'm sure he plays blues guitar too. Anyway, point is he's not Ricky Skaggs. Uh, nope. Uh, and yeah, Jr. looked very embarrassed afterwards. <laughs> oh, I wasn't sure if he was ripping him or not. No, I think he was an accident. I think he just. He said Ricky, and then he, you know, Ricky, and then S, and he probably, you know, he said Ricky Skaggs. Well, you know, Ricky Starks is a heel, so I don't, I didn't have a problem with it. I just, I just thought it was kind of part of it. Ricky. Um, Ricky played it off very, I want to say graciously, but he's a heel, so he played it off the way a heel does, by mm. looking very offended. Yeah. But he rolled with it, and... So he's there in a brilliant tiger button-down shirt, which, fashion-wise, amazing. Good job, Ricky Starks. You have a look to you. Uh, but they're there to support their boy, Brian Cage, in this whole thing. And Taz and and Ricky talk about how, like, Will Hobbs has been sticking his nose in Team Taz's business too much recently, and that's why this match is going to happen. So what this match ends up being it's just like two big beef boys slamming into each other trying to win this fake title and brian cage comes out the victor uh keeping his fake title and the the reasoning for that seems to be that be like both guys are big and strong but cage has the edge because he's a bit more agile than will hobbs mm -hmm. but really most of the time they were just like slamming into each other and punching they were and i loved it because i love this kind of match yeah it was um i like that it was fast-paced yeah yeah i think like brian cage did one chin lock and hobbs got out of it really quickly with the suplex and that was like all the resting there was in this match yeah there was a sit-out spine buster that will hobbs did and the nature of a sit-out spine buster is such that when you're in the pinning position you're basically reaching out with your hands to cover your opponent's, like, abdomen. Just because of the way your 
your position. Like, you, you don't, don't really have good control over any other part of their body. And so Brian Cage got his shoulder up, and I really enjoyed the commentary with jr and taz talking about pen technique and how you know there wasn't any weight on the shoulders and it's not really will hobbs fault because that's just the way the move goes but there was no way that he was going to keep brian cage down with that move i like i like really technical analysis in in wrestling announcing like that yeah i believe there's also a point where will hobbs tried to hook brian cage's arms and he failed and taz said He's too big for that. Can't do it. Of John Moxley. <laughs> it did. Yeah, it was like he doesn't have a neck. That's not gonna work. There was also a spot where um, Cage hit a move. I don't remember what it was, and didn't go for a cover. And then Jr. said he should go for a cover. Then and then Taz started yelling at Brian Cage to go for a cover, and he was like, "Oh man, I mean, you know, I love Brian, but I agree with you, Jr." <laughs> <laughs> Does Taz know that Brian Cage can't hear him? I don't know. Like I was wondering. I was because he yelled. He yelled, and, and it's not that far. Yeah, so, he could probably hear him. So I, I wonder if he could hear him. All right, because he's always screaming at his boys when they're in the ring. But it's like, I, I don't know if they can hear you. You're yeah. on commentary. Anyway, I like this. Uh, Cage hit him with the drill claw at the end, which was scary because, you know, Will Hobbs is huge, so Cage. I mean, he got him up, but he he definitely didn't have the ability to hold him there like he usually does with a drill claw. He had to immediately sit down with it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I thought it was a good you know um, mean guy match. Yeah, I don't normally love just the beefy boys going at it, but I'm glad they kind of picked up the pace and made it into a, an action packed, fast moving deal, and not just like. Slow and steady. That's boring to me. Personal preference. And I think it was it was pretty clear that the intent of the match was to... It was more to... it was Even though Brian Cage won, I think the idea was to showcase Will Hobbs more than anything. I hope so, because he did really well. And because that six-man match never happened, I feel like he kind of missed an opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they'll get back around to that someday. Hopefully. After the match, naturally, even though Brian Cage won, Ricky Starks has to run out to the ring and act like he's going to do something. But Taz stops him. He says, Hey, Will, I want to give you two options here. I'm going to let you decide your fate. First option, become part of Team Taz. Second option, don't do that and have or yeah let ricky starks and brian gage beat the living hell out of you so you pick and luckily will hobbs doesn't have to pick because darby shows up to save the day and chase these mean boys out of the ring my immediate thought and i think it's just another one of those like years of watching wwe since they've been bad like brain rot stuff was that hobbs was going to turn on darby like immediately yeah like i thought he was going to jump him and that was going to be like oh he's he has chosen team taz oh that would have been horrible yeah but no now you've set up a tag team match probably which is i I like that idea better 
Yeah, and Will Hobbs can't be turning on people so early. They haven't even had a time to cement the friendship yet. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, that is the logical thing is that he would not do it, and then he didn't, so I was I was glad. Thank God for logic in AEW. Mm-hmm. Don't always get it. No, but it's more likely in AEW. That's true. I was sad for no JPEG Mafia this week. Sorry. Thought he was just going to be around. Well, I don't know what to tell you. No JPEG Mafia, no Billy Mitchell. What the hell's going on? I. This was a, a 30th anniversary show. They had other things to do. Miro's just a geek in the crowd playing an arcade machine with Sabian. I mean, he probably was having fun. I'm sure he was. He found the time <laughs> of his life. Did you listen to the Miro podcast? He's delightful. I did listen to the Miro podcast. Yes, I like Miro a lot. But again, we talked about it. I just don't know that... I'm glad he's having fun. I don't know that him having fun is what's best for his wrestling career at this point. Like I said, he has enough goodwill for now. Okay. And he will... He can... um, He can transition. I'm confident that he can transition. I hope so. I do too. I, I'm i enjoying him having fun, don't get me wrong. It's just, I have to readjust my image of him because my brain keeps saying, I just keep picturing Rusev. Sure. But yeah. Um, while those people were not present or doing much on the show, we do get, as we said before, video messages sent to Jericho from his various friends in the industry. And this first interstitial consists of a message from Slash, Dennis Miller, Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, his dad, Ted Irvin, and Bully Ray very briefly. (laughs) I don't think Bully Ray said anything. He just, like, spit champagne. Yeah, he did exactly what you should do if you accidentally drink a little bit of the bubbly. That's what I think that was. I think think that's what what I took away from that moment. (laughs) He wasn't acting, that was just his natural response. I think so. That's Sla- fair. I thought Slash looked, uh, you know, good. He he's got, did. He's gotta be pretty old. <laughs> yeah, he hides behind all that hair. Yeah. Let's see how old Slash uh, is. Yeah. Slash is 55. That's not terrible. No, but... It, you he's know. 55? Yeah. What? How how old did you really think? Young he... For what? For Slash? Yeah. I thought he looked. I thought he looked fine. Looked better than Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. Yep. Yep. That's true. Gene Simmons has always looked rough. The Tanahashi appearance was interesting because, like, it was the first example of. A lot of New Japan stuff that happened on this show. I can think of one other notable New Japan reference on the well, show. There was. There was We're going to uh, get to it next. Oh, okay. Well, then, then why don't we just get to it? Oh, all right. I mean, tie those back in, though, because the, the one that occurs next is the only one I can think of. Uh, so next, after that video message, 
we get a promo from Lance Archer against John Moxley, where he says he specifically brings up that this won't be the first time they face each other. They had a Wrestle Kingdom match, and we get a couple of still shots of that. And, you know, it's it's just like on pay-per-views where they show you things that happen, but they don't show you the action. We got that view of it. Mm-hmm. But Lance says Moxley has been wasting his time on all these other guys, and he's not quite ready for Lance, the man who destroyed 20 people in the Casino Battle Royal. So he's coming for him, and he's confident he's going to destroy him. My thought upon seeing Lance Archer was that he's very handsome and even all the the weird hair and stuff can't really hide that fact he's just a handsome boy jenny and i have been telling you this no i know we'll see the other uh the response to that video a little later but the next match up is the hybrid two versus ftr for the AEW world tag team titles with the 20 minute time limit stipulation that FTR has demanded and apparently they also picked TH2 as their opponents because they get that privilege as the champs so FTR gets the win um Cash gets to pin Jack Evans after he does a splash off the top rope which we'll get to uh but it's not a flip (laughs) it's airborne ah yes it's what they don't stand for. No, they stand for no flips. He went to the top rope. This top rope. He can go to the top rope. He no, didn't, he can't. He, he didn't do a rotation. He flew through the air. Uh-huh. And JR suggests that maybe this particular ending was directed at the Bucks, who are watching on a television in the back, because the Bucks are high flyers and FDR are not. Well, here's what I want to talk about with this match. I want to talk about Angelico's gear. Okay. <laughs> I, I know Megan likes his new gear. You can see his abs. Yep, pop that shirt off. I don't know if anyone in the history of professional wrestling has made a bigger, like, actually, two. Made, made two bigger 180s in their presentation gear-wise than Angelico because his, he looked fine in Lucha Underground. And then yes. he started wearing a BMX bodysuit for God knows what reason <laughs> for like a full year. And now he, I think, I think his new gear looks really good. I like the, the one sleeve like on the, uh, on the right arm. I think that looks pretty cool. Um, I'm a big fan of Angelico's look right now in October of 2020. I agree. And he looks like every deckhand on Below Deck Med. <laughs> like I feel like I have seen him on and sounds reality. like and so, yeah because there's a lot of South African yeah. deck hands uh, I will third the support for this new look and I think he just looks like an emo skater boy that I would have loved to date in high school yeah he looks like, like a he's, he's like a skinny little fuck boy like you would like yeah that's true I cannot deny it yeah <laughs> I thought he was, um, I thought he was, like, the star of this match, actually. His, I thought his, uh, like, the submission stuff he was able to, to try on this was really cool. That one spot where he ended up getting, like, arm triangles on both of them at the same time. Yeah, this is the first time that I've, like, 
watched Angelico instead of Jack Evans in the ring and like been more impressed with Angelico than Jack Evans. Well, I think Jack had a little bit of an injury. I think he hurt on. his yeah. knee. His knee or his ankle one, yeah, because he was limping around and and he came up short on a uh, on like a four fifty attempt later in the match and he was kind of limping around a bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think something bad happened there, but hopefully I... it's just like. He tweaks something yeah. and he'll be fine. Yeah, like Miro, Miro hurt his ankle on the, his first match, but he, he kind of like, it seemed like he kind of walked it off by the end of the match. <laughs> um, but uh, I thought this was pretty good, though, even even with uh, Jack's troubles. I truly thought Jack was kayfabe hurt and was selling it the knee injured, like the knee the whole time. I did until he completely missed the splash off the top. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it's like committed selling or not. And then like, um, and then Excalibur was like, oh, "Okay, well, he he kicked him in the face that time, but now he's gone back up and hit a moonsault." Yeah, that that was the only section where I was like, "Is he actually hurt?" Yeah, I think he was. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, I I certainly. That's what I thought. Well, I hope he's okay, because they really worked over his leg, and even, you know, in in the working style, if he actually had, like, a messed up ankle or knee, that's not great. No. Hell no. And then, yeah, the uh, FTR one with the old uh, power and glory finishing move from WWF early 90s of a superplex followed by a big splash. They went to the top rope. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that was pretty. That was a pretty advanced, um, like uh, double man move for like 1991, though, Megan. Okay, but also it blew my little eight year old mind. <laughs> it did look cool. I'm just saying, if you <laughs> preach punches, then you shouldn't go up to the top rope. All right. Well, fair enough. Yeah, uh, Jenny. I would also. I wanted to agree with you. And Helco stood out. Um, his <clears throat> his Yaveo submission style makes me take him more seriously than I ever have before in AEW because he just seems like a like a douchey bad dancer most <laughs> of the time. Yep. So good for him. You know, I, I actually kind of realized something about Angelico during this match and it's that like I, had, I don't think I've ever assessed him fairly because you remember in Lucha Underground where he like his the, the thing he's probably best remembered for is he did that huge dive off of Derek yes. Cueto's office into the into the ring it looks so dangerous yeah so that was my first impression of him seeing like a gif of that and I think because of that spot I had always assumed that he was this like elite high flyer but then his actual matches never reflect that. Right. He's just like a very technical grappler who does a lot of submission wrestling. And so it took me a really long time to figure out that he's not a bad high flyer. That's not what he's trying to do. He's like, he has a completely different style that I wasn't really, that I wasn't looking out for. Yeah, I would agree. Because I think I had the exact same thought process. Maybe just not enunciated so clearly, but... I expect him to, much like Jack Evans, do flips and be acrobatic, but apparently his comfort level and style is submission specialist. I just, 
I never thought of him in that way. He's got a good frame for it because he's got long limbs, so he can like it's good for like working like triangles and things like that. Yeah. Wow, Angelico. Yeah, I'm Creep. like really into him all of a sudden. Creeping after, up after, into the, your fave five? Yeah, he's, you know, four, <laughs> it's Debray times four, and then Angelico. <laughs> Excellent. Shout, shout out to Booker T. Yeah. So, yeah, that about that about sums up what happened during the match. Poor mm -hmm. Jack Evans, whether for real hurt or for fake hurt, spent about 90% of the match getting worked over on his leg. And when Angelico got that hot tag, he did some submissions and killed it, but he still could not pull out the win for them. So FTR, they are still our champs, but after the match on the big screen, there is an image of the FTR boys in hot dog suits. It's clearly photoshopped and everybody looks confused. And then the best friends walk out. And Trent goes, do you get it? Hot dogs? Wieners? We're calling you weenies. And they also have already got the shirts for this, so you can probably order that on shop.aw.com. Yep, I confirmed I looked today. You can. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Um, the best friends are very mad about being referred to as comedy wrestlers because FDR dismissed them last week. And they point out that they are, in fact, the number one contenders for the tag titles. And Chuck says that on their way out to the ring, they walk past TK, and he signed a match for them for next week. So we're going to get the best friends versus FTR with the titles on the line. I was back to not liking the weenies thing this week. <laughs> I've never liked it. I thought it was funny when Orange called it back last week. This week... Not into it again. I don't think it's shirt-worthy by any means. No, but this is like, you know, this is like a meme company, so, like, yeah, they gotta make a shirt of everything. True. I mean, and they I guess do... The, I guess the good thing about the model that Pro Wrestling Tees uses is, like, print-on-demand is that you can't, like, you can throw up any design, and if it doesn't sell, then it doesn't really matter. Right. You didn't, like, commit to printing like 10,000 of them ahead of time. Unless you're Jericho and you're convinced you're going to win the stadium stampede. That's true. God, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how much this shirt will sell though because I just, I don't know. It's like, alright. This doesn't seem shirt worthy, but if you get money, best friends, I'm not going to fault you for it. So the best friends, upon announcing this match for next week, um, are very happy. FDR, not so much. So they start to go after the best friends, but they get chased out of the ring, and the best friends have a brief moment where they get to hold those titles and feel like what it feels to be champions, but they give them back gracefully, and then they do the best friends hug to counteract, I believe, the FDR hug that happened on their entrance. From there, we go to a video of MJF talking about Chris Jericho, because it is 30 years of Jericho. MJF says, I first talked to Chris Jericho backstage after Double or Nothing, and at that point, Jericho told him, MJF, that he's really got something. And so, 
MJF says, as our friendship grows each week, he wants Jericho to know just how inspired he is by him. And he says, you know, I might just show up for your match later tonight because Jericho is part of the main event of the show. So MJF says it in that heel way that's like, maybe you don't want him to be there, but he's going to swing by possibly. After that, we get more video messages for Jericho. Shaquille O'Neal shows up, Gene Simmons, Don Callis, Lars Ulrich, and Diamond Dallas Page all grace this particular segment. They all seem very, you know, happy to be there. Jenny just wondered if, like, if AEW just paid for a bunch of cameos. But... <laughs> I think he's actually friends with these people, Jenny. Uh, yeah, no, uh, no less than the great Joe Gagne uh, posted on Twitter last night. Uh, let me find the tweet real quick. Where is it? All these Jericho testimonials look like the playlist to his podcast. Yeah, I think that's fair. I bet almost every single one has been on there. I, I would say, like, maybe except for Shaq. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because Kiss and Metallica, I think he's had, if not the whole band, on before he's had mm-hmm. members. <clears throat> DDP obviously is wrestling. I, I do admit, Shaquille O'Neal kind of surprised me. When did he come across Shaq? They, they had a uh, pretty, like, famous at the time Raw segment together when Shaq was the guest host of Raw back in, like, 2008. Oh, okay. And also, Shaq is, like, a wrestling fan. And also, like, he works for Turner Sports. as So he's there's, like, corporate synergy there, too. All right. Okay. I He was the only one where I was like, did they cameo this? Can you imagine how much Shaquille O'Neal's cameo quote would be? I, a lot, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't think more than 125. What? Mm-hmm. He sells himself out to pizza places. Yeah, but because he has, like, ownership stake in the pizza sure. place. <laughs> yeah, only the one, not multiple. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not doing the pizza circuit. And when he, and, he and, and as Megan knows, and as you know... From, from watching Fresh Off the Boat, when he does commercials for a car dealership, it's because he owns that car dealership. Oh, I guess it's true. <clears throat> that's true. Yeah. I just always think of the Conan O'Brien segment where he said something about, like, the most famous Irishman, Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. It's time to get into it, guys. And I'm so curious about Jenny's thoughts on this next match, but uh, let me just lay it out for you for a minute here. We've got Cody versus Mr. Brody Lee in a dog collar match for the TNT Championship. Cody wins. We get a new champion. Okay. What do you think happened here, Megan? Do you think that... Do you think that the Go Big Show opportunity came up kind of suddenly and so they said okay what we'll do is we'll write cody off tv and have him drop the title and then and then he'll win it back when he comes back from filming or do you think like this was the plan all along and he had already had that opportunity lined up and it was just like well 
will get Brody Lee really hot for like a month. I think the first one, because to me this feels like really unfair and <laughs> mean to Brody, if I'm being honest. Like when he Cody won, I was surprised and also I felt like genuinely bad for Brody Lee because that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Cody gets to go away and film a TV show, and then when he comes back, it's just like, oh, yeah, I get that championship back. And also, P.S., I'm not a heel. I I still love the audience. I don't know. It's just like, it felt too soon. I genuinely expected Brody to win and then Cody to be mad and, like, provide some sort of chase. I So, if they were going to just do this, I don't understand why they didn't wait for the pay-per-view and have Cody, like... Have it be a situation where Cody has to, like, run through a few Dark Order members first. And then you could, like, do an angle with the dog collar to set up them having a dog collar match instead of Cody arbitrarily, or, like, uh, Brody arbitrarily being like, let's have a dog collar match. Yeah, none of this made any sense to me. No, there was no justification for the dog collar match. Um, There was justification for the title shot in that he was the last champion, but... I think I think if they had just like maybe they have a, like a really good idea for a pay per view opponent for him or something, but I just thought you did such a great job with the initial match and the presentation, and it got I, th- I feel like it really did things for Brody Lee, and to just do the title switch like this was just very odd to me. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And if you listen to this week's Unrestricted, where they clearly recorded before yesterday's show, Mm -hmm. um, Brody Lee's on it as a TNT champ, and he talks about how happy he was to win the title, how much of an honor it was, and how he felt it was like, like recognizing him, and how every night his kids, like, basically talk about it and they like one of them like hugs it or something i don't know like the kid was really excited for him and he just says like yeah and he says in the podcast like they're gonna have to pry it you little bitch (laughs) no he's just like i have to take it now um but he basically was like they're gonna have to pry it away from me i'm so happy and i listened to that after watching this show and i just felt (laughs) extra bad (laughs) it's like jesus you did that in the wrong order yeah yeah, you did. Well, Megan, I know that this kind of match is not your kind of match, but what did you what like what did you think of it? Here's what I think about it. I feel like very much the way um you know how apparently you could take Indiana Jones out of the Temple of Doom. No. What's the one you can take him out of and it still just works out fine? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. I felt like you could take the dog collar out of this match. And it would still work out the exact same way. <laughs> like, huh. Because like that's probably pretty standard in anything that involves a dog collar other than a dog. Well, here's my argument, and you're right. Um, but I think the aspect of this match, like having a dog collar versus just saying, like having a hardcore match where there's a chain involved, but having them strapped together, the real gimmick focus is on proximity and keeping each other together and using that to your advantage and i just didn't think there were many spots in this match that really required them to do anything like that like i think 
Well, they one... had a 16-foot chain for one thing. <laughs> yeah, it was like... There was one time where Cody got hung up outside the ropes as like an homage to the original dog collar match that they kept referring to with Piper and um, Valentine. Who was there. And Yes, he was there. And he looked horrified the whole time. But I think that was acting. Yeah. Um, and then there was another spot where Cody got pulled off the top, top turnbuckle before he could do a move. But by and large, like, there wasn't any other location dependency spots. They just kind of had a wrestling match. And I'm sorry, but, like, I know there's some suspension of disbelief required because this is a sports entertainment event where the outcome is determined and they have to make it entertaining. But, like, if I was attached to somebody with a chain, my first move would be to beat the shit out of them with a chain and then pin them. And that didn't even happen until, like, halfway through when Cody finally figured out, I could hit him with this. So, to me, I don't like these types of matches anyway. And this gimmick just required a level of disbelief that was beyond where I was willing to go. So I, And they both started bleeding immediately, which I was like, all right, oh. I, I get it. I know what this is, and I know, Cody, you love 80s-style matches, but I can't go on this journey with you. Okay. <sighs> I figured you would. <laughs> yeah. You're why we have to endure this shit <laughs> almost every week. Um, I apologize for that. I truly do. But I do think that while there was no justification for this match existing, in a vacuum, I thought they did a really good match. I'm, I mean, I don't want to disrespect them by saying those boys didn't put in the work. I just think the premise is dumb and a 16-foot chain, like you said, they could stand across the ring from each other and not have any slack in that thing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think that ring isn't 16 feet. <laughs> it's not a WWE ring. No, I think it's 18 by 18. Oh, 18 by 18? Yeah. I will say one spot that I fucking loved that wasn't chain related, but it's when Brody Lee whipped a chair at Arn Anderson, who was standing outside of the ring. Oh my God. And Arn ducked and looked real pissed off, got in the ring and somebody ran at him. Was it Reynolds who ran at him? It was Reynolds, Reynolds yeah. ran at him, got spine busted. It was awesome. And then Brody like hit him, but I loved that spot. I thought that was great. I was like, man, not a lot of room for error there. Because the, the chair just, like, went whistling over his head. Yeah, that was my thought, too. I'm like, well, how bad is it if you crack open an old man's head like, with a chair? <laughs> Pro- <bad>. Probably. <laughs> but I don't know. I just, I love this whole thing. I thought, I thought, I, I liked the blood. I liked the, I thought they worked really hard. I, I don't disagree with you, Megan, that the match would have been largely the same if there hadn't been a chain involved. Especially because it was so long. That they could yeah. just, like, get away from each other for the most part. But I, I still liked it a lot. I just... I'm over Cody bleeding. I know, that's what he does. That's what he loves. It doesn't even look that shocking without the blonde hair anymore. It's just... That was always a thing, I thought. And then Brody Lee got to bleed. Even John Silver got to bleed. It was like, everyone's bleeding, and it's a bit much. I don't disagree with you. Do you remember? Do you guys remember 
last year, um, after I think it was the unsanctioned Kenny Omega versus John Moxley match at, at last year's Full Gear, and it was very it was very bloody, and Tony Khan said that this is the kind of match that we will have on pay per view sometimes, but, but you not won't see on this TNT. on TNT. You won't see this on TNT. We see blood on TNT all the time, and I hate it. Yeah, we see a lot of blood on TNT. And that tells me the TNT is all in on AEW because they just let them get away with pretty much anything. They should let Chuck say the S word then. They really should. Darby said it in an opening video package this week. I think Chuck's the one holding himself back from saying the S word at this point. Do you think he's just like doing it just so people keep talking about it? Yeah. I hope so. That seems like the kind of thing he'd do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they told me the first week I couldn't say the S word, so I can't say it ever. <laughs> I hope he doesn't say it in this personal life either, because he's he just feels so, like, reined in. <laughs> <sighs> okay, I mean, this the, the outcome of this is that Cody's the new champion in a way that feels bad... Um, to me and then after the match Tony Schiavone comes out and the Nightmare family joins Cody and Tony does just like a quick interview and Cody says you know I've spent 15 years trying to gain the love of the crowd and some people said I should take the dark path just because I changed my hair and I'm like also because you're being kind of a dick but you know that's beside the point but Cody says... Wait, how is he being kind of a dick? Well, he was being heelish before he disappeared to make his show. And also, he does seem like kind of a dick. He's got that, like, big dick energy, but in a bad way. Yeah, I agree, Megan. <laughs> like, yeah. if he didn't have Brandy, I'd have zero interest in him. Wow. It's a big turnaround from 2019, Cody. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. he got that neck tattoo. That neck tattoo yeah. turned him. It was the first step towards bad. Yes, it was. And I don't care if he says, if he made the comment about his hair, but, like, his hair doesn't look good. He looks like he's purposely trying to be a heel. Yeah, he looks like an old man who has dyed his hair black because it was, like, all gray. And he's trying to get out on the dating scene yeah. again. Like when I, Martin in, remember when Martin did the thing in Frasier? Yeah, like, like shoe, shoe polish, polish dye. <laughs> yeah, the hair in a can. Yeah. I when I when I brushed my hair today after my shower, holy shit! I have so much gray hair now. It's ridiculous. It looks good on you though. Well, I I don't mind it. It's just it's just like, it's like every week it seems like it's more gray. It's amazing. I know. <laughs> but you're like blonde, so it'll. Feel like it'll blend in enough that you not that gray hair's bad i think a good salt and pepper look is wonderful but you could probably if you're worried about it just guide it i like a silver fox i yeah am, i am not at all worried about it it's just it's just been, it's just been fascinating to watch it develop he talks about it a lot he might not be worried about it but i think about it a lot <laughs> i kind of like he contemplates it well i the, the thing is 
I'm not really that interested in the transition. I just want it to be done. Like, just just go all the way. I think that you're in your 30s. <laughs> Megan's not and sure it's how not... old you are. <laughs> mid no, mid to late 30s. It's not just going to be like one day you wake up and you're Doc Brown. Like, that doesn't, that's not how it works. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see. Well, don't dye your hair like Cody's because people will think you're a heel. Yeah. But he's not a heel. He loves the people. I, that's what he says. He says he's sticking with this audience and he's going to be a good champion and he's going to defend his title next week. And who's he going to do it against? He asks. Luckily, Orange Cassidy wanders out onto the stage. He gives the Orange Cassidy lazy thumbs up. And Cody gives the Cody actual thumbs up, so that match is happening next week. That match should be good. Probably, but I feel like Cody's definitely going to be the heel. People love Orange Cassidy, and oh, Cody's yeah, probably going to do something bad. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll play. That's, I mean, I know that you like to always point that out, Megan, but I think that's just like, if you're a champion who's going to defend against both heels and babyfaces, you just kind of have to adjust based on your opponent. I know. In this instance, though, I just think Cody's a heel. I think he's just a bad man trying to lie to us. I'm not to Jenny's point, but <laughs> I'm getting there. Come to my side, Megan. <laughs> Cody was wearing a purple three-piece suit without the jacket during a video package that happened before this match, and I just thought, like, he could go Joker. You need green hair for that. Well, get rid of that stupid brown hair. I really liked Birds of Prey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's very good. The movie rules. <laughs> there's no Joker in it. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's like... You see like the back of Joker a few times. Yeah, archive footage. Well, I, I don't even think it's that. I think it's just like they didn't get the Joker from Suicide Squad, Jared Leto, so they had to, like, just not show the face of him, so you, so you wouldn't know. Yeah, and like I think that, that's it was actually... Like that episode of Angel, where Spike and Angel go to Rome to try to save Buffy, and you never actually see Buffy, you just see her, like, the back of her head, because they couldn't get Sarah <laughs> Michelle Gellar to, to, like, come do a guest spot. Fuck, like, I she take was a busy. free trip to Rome. I don't think they actually went to um... Rome. <laughs> No, they were in, like, a soundstage that was set up to yeah. be, like, Rome. It's a very good episode, but, um, but yeah, that was, that was the vibe I got watching that. That's fair. I think the movie is stronger for not having Jared Leto's Joker in it. Yeah, you don't need that. No. You don't, you don't need another reminder of Suicide Squad while you're watching that movie. <laughs> <sighs> No, you don't. But you do need another reminder about that eight-man single elimination tag tournament. Not tag. Single elimination tournament that's coming up. Yeah. That culminates at full gear. And last week we heard about the first three entrants and Kenny Omega. And this week we get three more. And those people are Wardlow, Cole Cabana, and Hangman, Adam Page pretty good field so far it is i wonder I, I do wonder about who those last two names will be and also 
We have to have... So they're doing the finals of the pay-per-view, correct? Uh, full gear, yes. Okay. So we have to have six matches between now and then on TV. So I would assume that that's going to have to start like maybe next week. I hope so. I, I would love to get just into it. Do you think they'll introduce the last two as like the match that happens next week? Oh, that would be interesting. That would be a good way to do it, actually. To say, like, these are entering 7 and 8, and they're wrestling right now. <laughs> We're just diving into it. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to throw in any of, like, like another Jurassic Express or the other Lucha Bro, just to kind of mess with the dynamic, like, if they have to face each other. I mean, obviously, Hangman and Kenny are going to face each other because... We need that dramatic thing, but I wonder if they're gonna mix it up with anybody else. I don't think they'll touch though. You don't, I don't think, think so? Want them to touch yet? I mean, at full gear, I would. So think. you don't think that they're gonna meet in the finals of the pay per view? I think they like a slow burn. Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna try and maybe eke this out until. The next pay-per-view. The February show? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think they'll touch in this tournament. Okay. Because I think that's too... But maybe they'll have a match at full gear. I think... Mm. But if they don't touch at this tournament, how will they have a match at full gear? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that they are setting it up to make you think that that's the match that's going to be the finals. But... I, I could definitely see them not going that way though. Like I could see them like giving you that expectation and then subverting it. So wait, how does how does this work? How would they? How... They would be on opposite sides of the bracket. So there'd be there's four wrestlers on one side of the bracket, four wrestlers on the other side, and the winner of the two brackets would meet in the final. That's not always how the bracket works. Well, listen. When is it I not know, how a bracket works? No, Chad Johnson, but. <laughs> I have a lot of experience with, like, you know, NCAA tournament pools and things like that, so I think I know how a bracket works. So did that contestant on Chad Johnson's dating show. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a good show. Yeah, it was. <sighs> what a journey. Yeah, um, I kind of want to know who the last two are before I make any big predictions, but, like... If not Kenny and Adam, then I would think, are they going to try and make Jungle Boy a star because they've been sitting on him for so long? Give him some pay-per-view time? Or they He's the only one in the current mix. To... <laughs> those 18-year-old girls to like spend $50 on a wrestling pay-per-view. They've got their parents' credit cards. That's true. You Jungle know, Boy Jack Perry! I want, I, so I want, ideally, I think, I want them to announce the last two competitors next week so that on this show next week we can break down the bracket without Ooh, any without yeah. any like i want i want to see the whole bracket i want to see all the potential matchups and then we can make our picks and then uh we can do a a champagne bet based on that all right and if they, but if they have if they have the match next week on the same night that ruins it well only we one section bet. What'd I say? Only one section. You said it like a Southern Ohio accent. Ruin. 
I don't have ruins it. I have it. something to highlight hexes. You do when you say rune. Runes. <laughs> Hello. Only one person on this podcast is from Southern Ohio. Why did you say it like that? <laughs> and who is that? Megan. Is Megan from? Yeah, no, I'm from met, Southern like, Ohio. I'm the Southern Ohio that's close to West Virginia. Oh, you mean like you mean like Jackson or Athens? <laughs> yeah. You're like an Athens townie. <laughs> I meant Southeast Ohio. Okay. I'm Southwest all the way. <laughs> he said it with such disdain, though. I like kind of took offense. <clears throat> You're so well, not Southern Ohio, Megan, that I didn't even realize that that's who he was like. I thought he was <laughs> putting it on me. You're like, I'm like mid-Ohio at I'm best. I'm like mid-Southeast Ohio. That's a lot of qualifiers. <laughs> you, it's like every direction except for north, which feels <laughs> wrong. And west. Oh, I guess that's true. Mid-Southeast. Should we have okay. a, uh, should we have a bread club um, break? Yes, I could definitely go for a bread club break, and then I'll talk to you about the bread I ate this week. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. So this week, Satoshi Kojima made three tweets in English, which is you know, it's a decent amount. Um. Oh, he did. What's the ratio did... with the uh? Japanese tweets. He, he tweets a lot in Japanese. Oh, okay. Um, he did tweet on uh, October 1st, the day, I believe, which was like, we, did not, we didn't catch it for our podcast. It's not a bread tweet, but he, uh, he tweeted on Lance Storm's 30th anniversary of wrestling, which is the same day as Chris Jericho's 30th anniversary and of wrestling. And Lance Storm was one of the people that commented on That's Chris right. Jericho's. He'll be, he'll be up soon. Um, uh, Kojima said, congratulations on your 30th anniversary. I will be 30th anniversary next year. Meeting you was a wonderful experience for me. Oh, nice that's really nice. I hope that Lance Storm tweets at him on his anniversary next year. I hope so, too. So, four days ago, Satoshi Kojima, the great man, said, Hello, Bread Club. <laughs> Someone is eating bread somewhere today. They are all bread clubs. Bread clubs around the world, get up. Thank you. Bye-bye. I did get up that day. <laughs> I did yeah. eat bread that day. Yeah. What day was that? I guess it would have been Sunday. I ate bread on Sunday. I ate a lot of bread on Sunday. <laughs> oh, yeah, we ate a lot of bread I'm going to talk Sunday. about the bread. Uh, I eat bread basically every day, so. <laughs> so then uh, that we talked last week about how the 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 wrestler Gabriel Kidd, who is living in Japan in the dojo, uh, was, you know, teaching, taught Kojima about Nutella. And he sent him a gif that was just like Nutella being spread over bread. And <laughs> Kojima said, I ate all my favorite Nutella. Oh my God. Where is Nutella? Go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's going to become the Nutella bread. Bread. The Nutella Club. Uh, the <laughs> the next tweet he tweeted uh, was just the word Nutella about thirty times, 
<laughs> punctuated by 30 emojis of a candy bar, which I guess is the closest thing he could find to Nutella. Nutella. So they emoji. don't have a Nutella. They don't have yeah. a Nutella. They also don't have a margarita emoji. That's tragic. <laughs> uh, and then, two days ago, he tweeted, Hello. Not long ago, I ate beef steak and rice. I'm sorry it's not bread. I'll eat it later. And we know he will. And we know he will. So yeah, so that has been your, your bread club update for the week. This is my favorite new segment. Uh, and Jenny, do you want to talk about the bread that you ate this week? Yeah, I do. All right. Bread club unite. <laughs> so on Sunday for the Browns game, I had the need to do a full-on spread. I So sometimes before Browns games, Andy always watches the Browns games at this dive bar, and it's a little rough because the bathrooms smell really bad, and uh, the beer's sometimes stale, but, you know. But it's home. <laughs> but, like, less than a mile down the street is this really good brunch place, and they do mimosa flights. So sometimes Andy will take me to the brunch place to have mimosa flights and get me all drunk before going to the smelly dive bar. And Toasty. Yeah. And so... That's what we did the time that Megan went to the smelly dive bar. We went went to the mimosa flight place first. And you just get wasted at the mimosa bar. It's good because that dive bar doesn't have a good beer selection. It doesn't. And even if you do get, like, if you spring for, like, I think one time we sprung for, like, a, I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't Bud Light. Amberbach or something like that. Yeah, and it... Spring. It was... No, you know what? I think they had, like, it wasn't Corona. Was it, it was Bell's Yingling. Too Hearted. They had Bell's Too Hearted, yeah. It was so stale <laughs> that, oh, it was terrible. But anyway... So, my mind craves mimosa flights on Browns Days. And we got a new refrigerator over the weekend. So, we had done a really good job of, like, clearing out everything so we could fit everything in, like, our little tiny mini fridge in the basement that typically just houses champagne. Um, And so, we didn't have anything in the fridge. So And I couldn't get a Kroger order until Monday because I didn't want to make the grocery order until after we knew that the new fridge was like in and working because if I made a big Kroger order and I couldn't pick it up and put it in the fridge I didn't know what I was going to do. So I made a Whole Foods order on Saturday and I got, I found that they have juices. So I got an orange juice which was like freshly squeezed orange juice. I got a watermelon and strawberry juice and I got a cranberry and pomegranate and pomegranate juice and so we had mimosa flights with our browns and then I had got also got a ton of cheeses and with that I also got baguettes and croissants and assorted crackers do crackers count as bread yeah so we had that if you just get on on the Whole Foods assorted cracker. There, there's like eight different crackers in that little box. So we had like eight <laughs> different types of crackers. Then I cut up bread. Mm-hmm. And then I also toasted bread 
because I did get a burrata cheese, and and it's always better with a toasted bread for a burrata. So that was delicious. Then that evening, I had, because I had gotten not one but two baguettes. Not one but two. <laughs> and uh, all the baguettes. Guys, Whole Foods sells garlic butter. Yeah, they do. So I made garlic bread that evening for dinner. Yeah, you did. I also got croissants because with um, they make really good goat cheese that has like blueberries on the outside or like cranberries on the outside, so it's a little bit sweet. And I like to like up it to like a super indulgent letter, le- level by pairing that with a croissant. So we also had some croissants with our cranberry goat cheese and then I had croissant the next morning with some eggs and cheese it's delicious um and the next morning after that yeah and because then, I for I, I decided to forego my croissant so you could have an extra croissant sandwich the next day I appreciate that yep well I'm all about sacrifice I also got for our Monday Kroger order more baguettes so for Tuesday lunch, I made the French baguette sandwich, where I take the baguette, I put herb cream cheese, deli turkey, cucumber, tomato, and lettuce, and it's delightful. That was my week of bread. Sounds good. <laughs> Megan, did you that sounds any, bougie you as hell. Do you have anything uh, to offer for the good of the bread club? Um, I've been eating avocado toast for breakfast Yum. because I'm a millennial and I'm ruining society. Wait, oh. why are you ruining society by eating something so delicious? Because that's like, uh, uh, the boomers hate it. Why? Because I'm spending all my money on avocados and... No, avocados are a dollar. <laughs> they, sell, they serve... Avocado toast at third watch, for Christ's sakes. Like, or first watch. Whatever, yeah. Like, that's... I, I feel like that's some, like... I feel like avocado toast is full of normie shit at this point. Do you, you put think a little, so. like, ground pepper, maybe a little bit of sea salt on your avocado toast? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I make it the way you should. <laughs> but I've been doing that for breakfast because I figure, you know, that's like a... It's a little healthy because avocado is a quote-unquote super fruit. Or and it's filling. Fresh. Yeah, and it's filling. And it's like I can buy a couple avocados and I only need half per day. So now, Megan, it's good stuff. How do you prevent the, the other half of the avocado from growing brown for the next avocado toast? I put it... Av- I don't know how to say this. Um... So when you cut it in half and you take the little center out. The pit? The pit. Then I use the one half and the other half you put like avocado side down in a glass Tupperware thing. Or a Pyrex so that it's like touching the glass. Oh. And then put it in the fridge. And you know like also like my standards are low so if it has a little brown in it I don't care. But it doesn't get like brown brown you know that sounds good if it's touching yeah if it's like touching stuff then that reduces the oxidation yeah so 
Yeah, but I ain't fancy. Like I said, avocado toast, but I just get some wheat bread and I toast it and then I put some olive oil on it and no. then I smush it. Oh. oh. And then I smush up the avocado with uh, chili flakes and <gasps> sea salt and then I spread that shit on top and then I eat it. Um, 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 um. Hey, Megan, I've never made avocado toast with olive oil or chili flakes. It's good. It gives a little kick. I'll have to try your recipe. Yeah, and I smash it up. I don't slice it. Smash it. Mm, so. I... <laughs> hmm. Now, how do you smash it? With a fork. With a fork. Okay, that, that feels like the right way to smash it for avocado toast. Now, when I make guacamole, which I haven't in years, but I used to use like a pie... No, like the mm. pie smash thing. Yeah. That always worked really way to like, because you want it like to be creamy. The fuck is a pie smash thing? Yeah, you know, when you make pie, there's like a, um, there's a thing that's like a half of an oval and it's got like three or four metal things. Oh. To smash it down. <clears throat> For, to make, in the, make the crust? I think it's actually to make the pie filling, to like smash the pie filling. It's like potato, mashed potato, potato masher. No, no that doesn't work as well, because that's too strong. I've always found that the all the mashed potato um, smashers I found have too thick of metal and it's too far between the um, the slots. Yeah. But the pie filling it's a thinner metal and they're closer together. All right. Well, see, you're very particular, and I I love but that. But for avocado about toast, you. I think the fork is the best because you don't want it like smashed, smashed. Yeah. It's not perfect. It's just kind of like loosely smashed and then with the, the stuff in it. And it's good. It's very good. And it's easy. I, I, I like that. I, I'm, I'm going to have to bring back some avocado toast for breakfast. We've been, we found really good Cheerios. They have this new type of Cheerios called Cheerios Oat Crunch. It's the fucking best. They're delicious. So we've been like on a Cheerio Oat Crunch kick for breakfast. That but is not lunches. something I'd expect to hear. Yeah, it's really good. I I prefer the cinnamon kind, and Andy prefers okay. the oats and honey kind. So we actually have to do buy two separate types of this Cheerios oat crunch. That's okay. That's married life. <laughs> but um, we've been doing a lot of like sandwiches and salads for lunch now that we're working from home. Mm. And I always cut up an avocado. Like, so we have avocado almost every day. I, like, um, split the avocado between us for, like, our salad or something some, if I'm having it. If I'm having my sandwich with just, like, regular wheat or multigrain bread, I'll put the avocado on my sandwich sometimes. Uh, but if I'm doing the baguette, if I do the cream cheese, the avocado and the cream cheese, it, it doesn't always quite go together, so. Yeah. Yeah, I just figured I'm trying to be a little healthier, like just a smidge healthier. So I thought if I eat some avocado every day, that's probably good, right? I think that's <laughs> a great idea. And avocado is so delicious. Yeah, it is. That's... I think avocado is considered a good fat. Good. like, And it's it's like green. I don't eat a ton of greens like I probably should, but I figure I get a half an avocado in every day. That's better than what I was doing before. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, do you have any other bread facts? Um, or stories? No, I've had I've had a couple of uh, like I've toasted bread a couple of times this week. That's been nice, I guess. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. Yeah. I want to make for the season 
pumpkin bread. But I don't think that technically counts as bread. I think we could count that as bread. Yeah, it's like the uh, it's like the Irish Subway thing. Oh, because they can't technically count it as bread? Yeah, because that's too much sugar in it. <laughs> Damn it. Man, I love pumpkin bread. I've never made it. But oh, it's I have. so delicious. <clears throat> it's really easy, and it is delicious. And I eat that for breakfast when I make it in the oh, fall season. Um, but I... I feel like I would, like, bread club would be, like, side-eyeing me because it's no. not bread. No. We would never judge you and neither would he. I think Thank we should you. get bread club shirts for, like, Christmas or something. Oh, that'd be really nice. Hell yeah, I would wear that. Have you seen the design, Megan, with the croissant for uh, for fangs? Yeah. It's I think amazing. you sent me a link. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Oh, I, yeah, I fully support that. I, yeah. I would love and wear the bread club shirt. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, well, maybe I'll work on that. Yeah. I'm wearing a Bartlett from America shirt right now. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could vote for Jeb Bartlett. Yeah, me too. But uh, I, mean, little... I will. I will happily vote for Joe Biden. But yes. It'd be cool if I could vote for Jeb Bartlett. <laughs> little PSA, everyone. Um, please vote. We get a voting plan together. We've got ours. We got our absentee ballots in the mail. Megan got hers Tuesday. Andy got his Wednesday. I got mine today. And uh, so make sure you follow the instructions. Use the correct color pen. Check that you have the correct precinct for your voting. Uh, make sure that you sign the back of the envelope that you're supposed to put it in and that your signature matches um, your license. And any other instructions on the ballot and now for Columbus you can either mail it or you can drop it off at the Board of Elections and I've heard that there is a like drop-off drive-through tent that you can drop it off so you don't have to like be near anyone which is good <laughs> um, so we're gonna try and do that we're gonna go there and see like if that's true and drop ours off there directly I will say a little PSA about the mail so, I actually received a letter from my mom today. Um, and that she had sent in August. <laughs> Megan, she had sent January 16th, 2020. No, I was joking. <laughs> That's here. worse. So, I, my, my parents are on my phone bill. So, they send me like a monthly check. If I don't see them in the month, um, they'll mail it. And I... I didn't think anything of it. I opened it up and I'm reading the card and it says, we're sad we won't get to see you this weekend, but that's how winter goes. And I look up at Andy and I'm like, what is my mom talking about? Like, I know last week was a little bit cold, but it certainly wasn't wintry. And we can't leave the house. It's below 60. <laughs> and I look at the, the date on the check and it's January 16th, 2020. Okay, that's really bad. That's real bad. So I think Andy and I are going to try and drop off our ballots at the Board of Elections. Yeah, my sister and I are also planning to just drive them over. Um, I filled out mine today, but... Is the correct ink? Color? It's black or blue pen, so yes, I mean, I'm not a monster. I don't have fun pen colors. I'm sorry. I am a monster, and all I have are purple colored pens so we actually had to so order you, black pens you can't vote 
You can't vote. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we can't vote until tomorrow. Oh my god, Jenny. That's hilarious. Thank God, in the like the year that we were away from Amazon Prime, that they instituted one day shipping. Yeah. Like that's pretty great. Yeah, it really is. It's hilarious to me that you need one day shipping of pens to vote. But... <laughs> okay, I have I have a bonus uh, crack this week here as uh, we've finished off our bottle of wine, and I've got a Rheingeist Cheetah Lager. Nice. satisfying yeah it looks nice and cold our new fridge is much colder than our old fridge even though it says it's the same temperature so i think our old fridge was lying to us actually our old fridge i had set at 36 degrees this one is set at 37 degrees and this is colder it's way colder yeah i'm happy with our new maybe your old fridge was just dying yeah i think it probably was it had already had, like, in the time we had it, it had to have the motherboard replaced once already. Luckily, that was in the first year of owning this home, so oh. it was covered by the home warranty. Oh my god, guys. So, our television, we thought it had, like, maybe, like, the panel was bad or something on it, but I, I showed a picture of it to my friend Adam, who's an engineer. and Like Dick Strawbridge? Like Dick Strawbridge, yeah. Um, except for the military <laughs> background. But... He said, it looks to me like it's probably the controller. And and he uh, he sent me a video of this guy, and <laughs> this, this, this jolly man in army fatigues, uh, who was trying to deal with the same problem. And he had his whole house gimmicked up with Google, like where he would say, like, Google, turn on the TV, input two, and he would do it. And like, Google, like, give me a little more lights, you know, very, very like smart house stuff and it was so that was it was fun and his idea was he thought that if he cleaned the connections to the controller it would clear up the the issue and this is like a seven and a half minute video and i was captivated <laughs> by this man and his attempt to solve what our problem is i was like holy shit he's gonna he's gonna fix our problem he didn't even know it but he is fixing our problem. <laughs> Although I guess that's why he probably made the video. So then, imagine my heartbreak when it gets to the end of the video and it doesn't work. Oh no! <laughs> no! I was so sad for him. And then I just thought, why did you post this? <laughs> As a warning. Yeah. Like a cautionary tale for anyone who wants to do this. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. So our TV still has a giant green line on it. It's more than one green line. It's yeah, a well, cluster of green vertical lines. If they're all in the same spot, though. That's true. Yeah. That, that's why I said cluster. His well, it's like, almost Black his Friday, had, like, guys. Four, four lines like spread out. Oh, really? That's worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Black Friday, we will hopefully get a new TV. Or next week's uh, fake Black Friday, like we don't want Amazon to get two free days of like big time retail advantage over us on Prime Day. Uh, day that best buy is having yep oh i gotta get that blade steelbook <laughs> what's that megan's i should oh steelbook i thought you said steambook and i thought what's a steam kevin steen's book i made blade. the mistake of a watching blade with megan and then b <laughs> showing megan that just like by coincidence 
like Sony is putting out a or whoever it is. It's not Sony. Who is it, Megan? Who who, who made Blade? We determined it wasn't Sony. New Line Cinema. Or New something? Line Cinema. Whoever owns them now is putting out a steelbook like 4K edition sure. of Blade, and I need obsessed it. with it now. Yeah, I need well, it. Andy just ordered me Barefoot in the Park. Is it 4K? It's not 4K. It's a. It's well. It it actually. It's probably. It's a 2K master remaster from a 4K source, but it's not a. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a 4K disc. Well, either way, I'm really excited to see an extra vivid, beautiful Robert Redford. Yes. I mean, yes, of course. At about like 28 years old. Yeah, I mean, he is. He is. He's a young Robert Redford. He is the most beautiful man I've ever seen. We should watch that movie, wait. that Netflix movie with him and Jane Fonda, the like our 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 lives at it night or whatever. A little sad to watch old <laughs> Robert Redford. He's so craggy. Yeah, he got really. <laughs> he does scared. great in Winter Soldier. He's great in Winter he Soldier. He does. He does. He does. Our souls at night. Yeah, I just don't want to watch. Like, I assume one of them dies in that. Like, I. I because they're old they also so there's there's two other movies where they play love interests so they, they, they did four movies where they were love interests they're together. beautiful and they have so much chemistry yeah they did a movie called the chase in 1966 then barefoot in the park in 67 and then something called the electric horseman in 1979 okay i will definitely watch the chase because that's gonna be like prime beauty because like they're the most beautiful and barefoot <laughs> in the park i like i I had never seen it until like a few years ago, and was that in a, one of our the fifty movie? Bundle? No, I think we just got that off of like the barcode site. Oh, okay, and I, I mean, just... I mean, like totally legally <laughs> obtained because I, you scanned your no. copy. Yeah, exactly. I, I scanned my non-existent Blu-ray, <laughs> like the, the the Blu-ray that only came into existence two days ago. Yes. Oh, well, anyway, I started that movie. And I, like, my jaw dropped at the beauty of Robert that, Redford and Jane Fonda in 1967. They're a very attractive couple. Yeah, man. Like, ugh. So Robert Alex Redford. Marvez interviewed Kenny Omega. <laughs> <laughs> what now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, about this, uh, about this uh, tournament. I bet Kenny doesn't eat bread. Probably um, not with that body. Yeah, probably not. You can't eat bread and also look amazing. I think carbs are the devil or something. <laughs> yeah. I will never give up carbs and I'm okay not looking amazing. No. If I have a fat ass because I eat carbs, I'm just going to live with it. And I do. And I will. I love bread. I want to express my support for bread club, <laughs> I don't ever want to be left behind. But yeah, Andy's right. Alex Marvez interviewed Kenny, who appears to be... Look, I don't want to read too much into it. I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to put things onto Kenny that maybe he doesn't feel, but I want to say, guys, he seems a bit agitated that Adam is entering the tournament that he entered first. Hmm. For singles wrestlers. I think he's maybe been having some, like, emotional distress lately. He's been posting a lot of pictures of... Coda? Coda. 
Aww. A lot of like flashback Fridays on a Wednesday. <laughs> well, f- Jenny, they're called flashback Fridays because it's Friday. Oh, right. but he posts on a Wednesday? Right. No. <laughs> Sorry, I just connected that in my brain. It took me so many steps to get there to where you are. Um, that, oh. It's been rough. It's been a rough Instagram week for him. Because I hurt a little bit every time I see it. I want him to be okay. I do. Um, If it's, you know, there's emotional turmoil with Coda, but then also his BFF in AEW is causing emotional turmoil. It's like, where do you turn? All of this is very tough. Um, But let's get into it. So, uh, Marvez, first, he he kind of softballs it. He's like, hey... How does it feel being back as a singles wrestler? And Kenny's like, it feels great. What better way to get back into the swing of things than with a tournament for singles wrestlers? And Marvez is like, well, Adam's in it. And Kenny says, yeah, yeah. So we've got some tag team wrestlers like Adam Page who are interested in competing for a shot at the title. That's, that's cool. You know, that's fine. And Marvez says, you seem confident. And Kenny's like, yes, I am. Uh, please throw anyone you have at me, singles wrestlers, tag team wrestlers, cowboys, like Adam Page. I don't care. I'm going to be a champion. So, you know, there's an undertone here. Kenny is, Adam's not the only one hurting. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. But, you know, Adam's not the one causing the hurt either. I think it's a two-person issue here. Mm. Mm. I mean, you know, they had their... There was turmoil in that relationship. Oh, yeah. There was. But it was, like, all on Adam's side. And it's, it's, it's interesting to see it kind of coming, you know, the other way now. Well... It wasn't all on Adam's side. Matt had a lot to play in that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, uh, I know Jenny has her extreme bias there, but uh, I think the turmoil was on both sides, even throughout. And, yeah, uh, even though Jenny's really, really biased, I have to agree, like, this is a whole elite thing. It's not just on Adam. Thank you, Megan. You're welcome. But I don't... I don't support your Matt's weird energy accusations. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, what this ultimately boils down to is that Kenny is aware that Adam has entered the fray and he doesn't seem cool with it the way you would think a confident singles wrestler who has no issues with his previous tag team partner would be. No, I think you're right. I think, but I think that's also like points to at least I think they want you to think whether because it's going to happen or not that the finals of this tournament is coming down to Adam and Kenny. They don't know that we know that they know that we know. They don't know we know we they know they know we know. Correct. What are the odds do you think that it does come down to Adam and Kenny as the obvious like outcome here 
versus we're going to throw a wrench in it and not give you what we not give you what you could predictably expect. I'm going to say 75% chance that Adam and Kenny is the final. Okay. That's still pretty high. That's, that's a very, very high. high. Yeah. And that's without even knowing who the last two participants are, so could go up. Okay, cuz I I'm in the boat of just hoping it's Adam and Kenny because I want that beautiful drama, but I also recognize that my particular mm-hmm. desire in this situation is the most obvious way to go and I didn't know if they were going to trick me basically. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'd love for we'll it to see. be just like Ray Phoenix out of nowhere winning the tournament. <laughs> what if he does and then his brother gets jealous? Well, that would be sad, but I would love to see like John Moxley figure out how to work a like a world title match against Ray Phoenix. He could do it. Oh, he could totally do it. We'll we'll get to it soon, but my god. Jonathan Moxley. <laughs> Jonathan Moxley is the best and I love him. <laughs> I think we all know that, um, but we'll get there. Okay, so Kenny's in turmoil, but let's leave him behind for a minute because we've got a ladies' match between Serena Deeb and Big Swole. Serena Deeb has been signed. I think we're all very excited about that. Yeah, Serena Deeb, I think, is the best technical women's wrestler on their roster. And I think she's yeah, won po- this match. I mean, possibly outside of the roster as well i don't know i don't have a great uh, sense of it i don't know about like Io Shirai is pretty pretty great technical wrestler that's all i'm saying i don't know okay, serena deeb i meant Ser- more just wrestling versus promo character because she hasn't oh, given okay. us any promos or characters yet so i just i i guess i didn't mean like you just mean in-ring in-ring wrestler thank you because I, I do know that technical wrestler means something different than what I meant, so I apologize about that. Okay. Well, no problem. that's, yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, because I think, though, unlike the, the technical wrestler side, like, I like this match because I didn't know how Big Swole would manage this, and I thought she came out looking looking good. Like, the technical wrestling of Serena Deeb seemed to outmatch her initially, because all she generally relies on, in most cases, is her raw strength. Because Big Swole, I mean, it's in her name. She's swole. swole. Yeah, she's good at like lifting people up and killing them. Um, so I don't think she knew how to handle the technical stuff in the beginning. And then she she managed to come around and get the win, though. But it was something different from Big Swole and I was I was happy to see Serena D be able to like get that out of her. Yeah, I it was um it was very good. I really enjoyed it. I agree with you Jenny though. I think Serena D deserved to win. I agree. Hopefully she'll get her chance because it's not like she's too old to push or anything. No, she looked good, and I loved the, her purple get-up. Yes. Yeah. 
I, I think just you know the they have some investment in Big Swole right now because of you know the the Britt Baker feud and everything and I would be I would kind of expect her to end up wrestling Sheeta at uh, full gear. Yeah, I mean, I knew going into this that I had a strong inclination. Deep would not win because Big Swole is the one they're trying to push, but I just I want Serena Deep to get a similar push. Maybe she will. It's it's early I, yet. Yeah, yeah. I hope so though. She's she's proven that she can put on really good matches, and I just I'm into it. Push her. All right, guys. What were we saying about John Moxley? How the, great he is! How wonderful he is! Yes, he is the best. Um, after that ladies match, we get the video package of John Moxley basically responding to the one Lance Archer gave us earlier in the show. And Moxley is out in a couple of his favorite places: first the desert, and then in a bar. And he says, "You know, I've been in the game long enough to know that." Like, eventually, someone is going to take me out. Because everyone, everyone gets taken. Someone's going to take me out. And for all I know, that could be Lance Archer. He acknowledges that Lance Archer is someone that you don't simply beat. You survive. And, like, even... He's, like, giving all this credit to him. Also seems very comfortable in whatever outcome this is. He hopes he wins, but also he seems like weirdly serene with the idea that he could lose and he says lance you're gonna have to unstrap that belt off my dead body Whoa. but maybe you will because as you say everybody dies i was I good with that's... everything except that last sentence i, I don't like to re be reminded the, the fact that i will die one day <laughs> it sends me into like a existential panic crisis Okay, but that was like, that's completely outside of <laughs> the context of anything in wrestling, Moxley's yeah, promo. Mean, geology class, like, yeah. Yeah, finding out how old rocks are, very upsetting. It really is. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, I'm already turning, I'm, I'm turning myself right now. Joe Moxley is going to win our award for Wrestler of the Year. Yes. Yes. There's, I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. We barely need to discuss it. He has been the man this year. His promos are great. His wrestling has been very good, often great. Um, and uh, I, I just don't see any way around it. He is, he is like the guy they needed this year. Like this has been a really tough year for everyone, and I don't know if they would have held up as well without John Moxley pulling the card. Nope, they would not have. And he's responsible, too. He's always yes. very, like, he's always talking about, like, whenever he talks about COVID, he talks about it in very responsible terms. It's true. Call your grandmother. Call your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I didn't call my grandmother, though. I should have. You talk to her on Zoom sometimes, or, like, once yeah, a month. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think that's about all she could handle anyway. With like That's pretty advanced grandkids. for grandma. Now, Megan. Yeah. 
how good does it feel as a longtime John Moxley lover to see him finally like I feel like he's like fully realized now yeah in a way that he never was as Dean Ambrose well because he gets to do what he wants creatively yeah yeah I ugh, I like this promo <laughs> The way, they, my the way heart. they shot, too, with the, in, in the bar there, I thought that was just great, too. It was so good. It captured the tone, like, the mood, the character of John Moxley. It was so perfect, and I just happy to see it. I love it so much. I love him so much, and I don't know. Just every, he was, like, hitting on all, all points here, and, oh, I loved it so much. I'm relieved that we're gonna like this this the promos that they both did tonight like that just like heated that match right back up for me to where it was three weeks ago and I'm so glad we're still gonna get it and that Lance is, is okay after after the COVID uh, you know diagnosis Lance Archer? Yes mm-hmm. He's back quick after COVID It'll have been three weeks Okay Cause the one show was taped so he he got like an extra yeah, but is week of recovery? Wouldn't his match have been taped on Thursday, like yet on today? So I think because it's a special like anniversary show, they're not taping it. They're, in no, they're doing it live, and, and, and it's possible maybe they change that because to give him an extra week. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, but that's that show is going to be live also. I I am glad Lance is okay. I. I kind of just default to assuming that these people will be okay because yeah, everyone celebrity-wise people are probably gonna be fine. Yeah. yeah, I don't by any means like think it's guaranteed, but I just I'm glad he's okay, and I'm glad that the potential outbreak has been quelled. It seems like everybody's doing what they need to do and and that sort of thing but uh yeah i'm excited for this match and this these two promos did actually like kind of relight the fire because you know out of sight out of mind like moxley's always around but he he was fighting with eddie kingston for a while and it was like i hate eddie kingston i miss lance i'm glad lance is back yeah me too I'm, I'm, I'm super hyped for that match next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially seeing the, the, like, New Japan stuff, I think, was also really cool. So. Yeah, so this so this was, like, the other... So we saw, we saw like, New Japan, like, um, still shots in both Lance's promo and John's promo. Yeah. We had the Tanahashi message at the beginning of the show, right? Right. And we also got, like, references to Han- Tanahashi in the FTR match when they were doing, uh, or when uh, Dragon Screw leg whips were happening, because that's the big move of his, and JR called it out. I just thought it was a oh. lot of New Japan stuff for one episode, especially considering, like, the president that... Oh, they're trying to, like be like hey we like new japan and look how we can get new japan out twittering feed yeah uh what's it called trending it's also 
entirely possible that it's all a coincidence because this is like Jericho Appreciation Night and he has a lot of New Japan history. And they even talked about Ghetto at one point, who is New Japan's booker, who when Jericho was first touring Japan, he was like like friends and tag team partners with him. Um, so it, it could all be coincidence, but the fact is there has been a change in the power structure at New Japan and the old power structure that's going to be leaving the company later this month was the one that put the kibosh on working with AEW back when the company started. Hmm. Because, oh. because based on the story I read in the Wrestling Observer last week, the thought within New Japan was, okay, AEW is going to be like one year and done. And then all our guys are going to come back. Like, they thought Kenny was coming back. They thought they didn't think Kenny was ever leaving. Because Kenny lived oh, in Japan. Japan. They just thought, Kenny loves Japan. He's not leaving. So they thought they thought they were just going to get everybody back. They were just going to have to like put up with this for a, a year, and and I think once the the TNT renewal happened, things kind of got like more real for for New Japan as far as like oh, oh wow. we're not getting these guys back anytime soon. But yeah, so I I don't know. I just noticed a lot of New Japan stuff on this show, and maybe it means nothing, but I think it might mean something. I hope they can, like, work out something. I would love if they could. I saw somebody um, did a Google uh, Trends search for the name Tanahashi today. And the spike <laughs> from, <laughs> like, like I, I think they, they did it from, like, for, for over the past year. There was such a huge spike in searches for the name Tanahashi... That you like, you wouldn't believe it. It was like he was at this like very base level on Google for like the last year, and then just last night just shot up like a rocket. <laughs> and it's because you know New Japan doesn't have any exposure in the United States. So when one of their stars is on Dynamite, all of a sudden, people are like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah. It would really benefit New Japan to have Dynamite exposure. Yeah, and then maybe we could get even better Bread Club shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kojima could open a pro wrestling tea store. Yeah. <laughs> Get the bread club to the US. We would buy all the bread club shirts. Yeah. Hell yeah. And the pro wrestling tea sh- like shirts are the most comfortable. That super soft tea, I love it so much. It's it's so soft. It's um more fitted than like a men's t shirt. But it's also like loose and baggy. I love I love them. They're my favorite shirts. I wear yeah, them a they're... lot because I work from home. <laughs> they're very comfortable. I just have to put like a sweatshirt over them. So when I'm on my video chat, no one sees that I'm wearing wrestling apparel. <laughs> yeah, that would be probably God forbid. Oh my. Well, I hope New Japan gets it, like gets into a partnership or something, so that we can we can see more, we can have more wrestlers come over. Um, regardless, John Moxley's promo was amazing, and I love him so much. But we have to move on, and we've the next segment is the last set of video messages for Jericho. This set includes Lance Storm. Obviously. Yay. 
Kevin Smith, Eli Roth, um, strangely, Gabriel Iglesias, who is, like, Zoom chatting Chavo Guerrero Jr.? Gabriel Iglesias, the fluffy guy. Yeah, but, like, He's so why is... Fan. Why can't Chavo just directly call? I don't know. The Latinx folks gotta stick together. I Yeah, okay. I guess. Um, Steel Panther. Who didn't Ultimo know Jericho Dr- was a wrestler. Yep. Although, well, I think fair. they really did, because they're on his podcast a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're not... Ulti- they're, like, they're like a gimmick band, right? They're not... I mean, I, they're, like, they're real musicians, but they're like, they're like a... They're like a gimmick band, right? I couldn't remember. Is Steel Panther like a christian metal band no 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 they're 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 like a i think they're like a metal band but they're like almost like a parody metal band okay i'm thinking of striper you are thinking of striper okay as you often do i'm sure constantly i'm always thinking of striper (laughs) who wouldn't yeah oh michael yeah (laughs) Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, also Ultimate Dragon and Paul Stanley, who, as you pointed out, looks better than Gene Simmons. And that you know, hard yes, Gene Simmons has always looked rough. Now, Jenny thought that Paul Stanley had had bad work done. Yep. I thought Paul Stanley had had good work done. Mm. Yeah, I think I would err on the side of good work. It's hard he to just tell wears when makeup. someone's wearing sunglasses, though. That's true. Like, for all we know, his eyes could be a, a total disaster. Yeah. I was just thinking that his mouth and cheeks looked a total disaster. Hmm. I thought they looked fine. Yeah, I did too. I. I don't know. I mean... What'd you think of Gene Simmons, Jenny? <laughs> I mean, he didn't look great, but I don't know. It wasn't like, I don't know. It just wasn't, the work wasn't as noticeable as the other one. Well, Gene, I mean, Gene looked like a 71-year-old man. Like, he looked like you'd expect Gene Simmons to look. I'm guessing Paul Stanley is not that much younger than Gene Simmons. I mean, he's probably a few years younger, but. Yeah. I don't know. It looked, to me, they're both, I thought, uh, Paul Stanley looked fine. Yeah. He looked younger. Oh, Paul Stanley without his sunglasses on looks like a scarier Tim Burton. Oh, that (laughs) horrifies me. I don't want to see that. (laughs) I don't like that comparison. (laughs) But yeah, all these people love Jericho. Sure, yeah. Yeah. I love Jericho. We're paid to do a little... These are not cameos, Jenny. They're just people who are friends with Jericho. (laughs) It's okay. Uh, Yeah, so speaking of Jericho, because this is his night... He gets to be in the main event and for whatever it was supposed to be, ended up being the Chaos Project, which is Luther and Serpentico 
versus the inner circle, Jericho and Hager. And, I mean, Jericho has to... He gets to pin his bro, Luther, after doing the Judas effect. But, um... This match just seemed like a, I want to give my buddy a leg up, and maybe my buddy wasn't ready for it. And so it was kind of not the best. It sucked. All right, I was trying to be kind, <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't great. No, I mean, it just, he he wasn't, like, Luther seemed nervous, and I understand why, because he's, you know, he's in the main event of a professional wrestling show on TNT, the, like the biggest stage he's ever been on, at least in this country. And he, you know, he's older and he, he, he wasn't up to it. And Jericho, for as great as he is, he's not the Chris Jericho of even 10 years ago who could probably carry a guy like this, you know? So mm-hmm. I, it was just, and it was a tag team match, but like, the other two guys, Jake Hager and Serpentico, barely factored into it at all. Yeah, I well, because I don't think it was for them, you know? It wasn't, but, you know, maybe you should have used Serpentico a little bit more, just so these guys would so Jericho would have had somebody to play off of a little better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Hager only showed up to stop pins yes yes he definitely did i don't think he ever tagged into the match serpentico started the match but quickly tagged out and then it was just like a very long sequence with jericho and and luther to to the point that i was just like why didn't they just do a singles match yeah well because i assume because jericho had touted how he and hager are trying to like get their like tag team numbers up so this is the way to do it i guess that's true it it does kind of serve two masters in that way doesn't it yeah i i assume they were gonna win 30 years of jericho but also because this is an easy way to get numbers up i just i feel bad for luther because i think he's very comfortable and dark and that and then you just plucked him out of there and you didn't even you didn't even put him on like a mid show match you tossed him into the main event and he clearly wasn't ready for it and he slipped and fell a couple times and it i i felt bad because it's like this isn't going well and it made me feel uncomfortable <laughs> because i felt embarrassed for him you know like i wasn't even like reveling it wasn't somebody i hated who i was like yeah good i hope you just suck um it was like very i don't know like i felt bad i felt bad that this was what was happening <laughs> to him yeah, it's not a good feeling to have someone that you have like because I've listened to him on Jericho's podcast and he seems very nice, and it's it's a bummer to watch somebody just like shit the bed like that. Yeah, but also like, how much advance notice do you think he got of this? Like, oh, you're gonna be the the main event of Dynamite. I mean, well, at least been planning least, this for a while, right? Yeah, at least two weeks because they last week's episode was taped. I thought this was supposed to be essentially a. Um, Jericho Storm versus the Bucks match. Well, that was that was back when okay, so that was after Lance Storm was furloughed, so back in March mm-hmm. or April, I guess it was April, but before everybody realized that COVID was just like not gonna, not gonna leave, not gonna leave. yeah. So like I, I think that Jericho probably 
knew that that wasn't happening for quite a while at this point. Okay. I just... That would have been a much better match. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely would have. I, you know, I just feel bad because, like you said, Luther's probably, like, just a nice guy. And mm-hmm. this was an unfortunate bad showing for him. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. I mean, that, that, that wasn't really the point of this whole thing. So, whatever. You know, Jericho Jericho basically got to be a babyface and... and the Judas effect on his friend and pinned him so whatever yeah yeah as you said the point really was that after the match MJF's music hits and Jericho was starting to cut a promo but he got cut off by MJF's music you're right he was and I did note that it was like a moment of it, it appeared to be a moment of actual gratitude towards the fans which is out of character for heel Jericho. Mm-hmm. Much like the rest of the night, which was weirdly earnest. Um, but Jericho doesn't get too far because MJF has his music hit and he walks out and he says, stop the music, stop the music. This night isn't about me. That cracked me up so bad. <laughs> yeah. He's such a dick. <laughs> you asshole. Okay. So he... Stop the music. It's not about me. Uh, he turns to Jericho and he's like, hey, I'm not out here to steal your spotlight. I'm here because I respect you. And also I have this gift. And he has the crowd countdown. This gift is like a person. Wardlow it has like escorted this person underneath a, a cloth, piece of cloth, out into the ring. And so Wardlow unveils him after the crowd counts from five to one counts down and it is clownico la clown i guess a clown of jericho although it just looks like a clown i don't know i felt like they could have tried to like make a clowny version of jericho a little better but whatever the clown's holding a present and mjf's like i've got this other present for you and he goes, do you want me to open it? Which, like, no. He has this problem where he opens everybody else's <laughs> gifts. <laughs> it really bothers me, and I don't know why. It's like, it's a gift. Maybe it's Give like, it to the person. Maybe it's just, like, another, like, tick for MJF's character. That, like, his selfishness leads to him, like, not even wanting other people to open the gifts <laughs> that he's giving them. Maybe. It's like, why'd you wrap that if you just <laughs> to open it yourself? That's so mean. I mean, he opened so their like, bomber jackets, too, for them. Yeah, that last week, he totally was like, I have this present. And he didn't even ask if he wanted Jericho to open, like, to let him open it. He just, like, ripped it open and was like, here is your present. So rude. Um, but, yeah, Jericho grabs it and he's like, no, 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 I'm going to open it. And he, before he does, MJF's like, wait, I just wanted you to know that... Next week, I'm going to make a career-defining announcement, and I really want you to be there. And Jericho's like, whatever, dude. So he opens this <laughs> he opens this present, and it's a framed picture of MJF, which Jericho's like, oh, great. Thank you. And then he takes a beat, and then he breaks this picture over the clown's head and gets in real close to MJF and says, I hate clowns. You better never interrupt me again. 
and there's this, like weird brief tension now hold on he did after the clown no sold this picture being broken over his head he did give the clown a fantastic judas effect oh yeah <laughs> right that poor clown i feel like he he had no part in this it wasn't his idea he was hired to be there but yeah jericho takes him out he hates clowns and after a brief stare down where they look intense at each other they both do the fake laugh and act like they're all good buds and then the snl music and uh <laughs> like fake credits start to roll so all the heels pour into the ring and they all hug each other and start like shake hands the way you the end of snl is and we get a roll of fake credits credits where jericho is attributed every single role <laughs> on the show and uh and that's that's how we end just I'm, like an snl ending i'm glad you noticed the snl thing because i've been like reading things and like listening to podcasts all day and nobody picked up on that no it was definitely snl yeah it's yeah, so I... obvious to me I wasn't even paying yeah. attention at that point, and I looked up and I was like, "Oh, this is a weird SNL thing." Yeah, where they're all like hugging and like, "Oh, good job, guys." Yeah, and like music's playing in the background as it like pans out. Yeah, Jericho, I believe, had a bit of the bubbly in his hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, that was Jericho's thirtieth anniversary. Yeah. It was, um, I don't know. It was okay. I liked the first hour a lot, like up through the end of the Cody match. Mm-hmm. And then I thought the second hour kind of fell off a bit. But um, I, I liked the sentiment of, you know, a tribute show for someone so important to the company. Yeah. I think it got a little confusing. I wasn't confused, but I could see how people would be confused where throughout this show, where they were celebrating Jericho's 30th anniversary, they kept referring to next week's anniversary show, Mm. which was for AEW. But at the same time, it just seemed like they were muddying the water. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like there's a bunch of matches for the anniversary show, but you're watching Jericho's anniversary show. Hmm. So I I don't know. They could have branded it something different. Yeah. That was just a nitpick on my part because I I figured out what they were saying early on, but I also thought a casual viewer who just maybe didn't tune in for the beginning of this would be like, what are you talking about? Am I not watching the anniversary show? (laughs) So, yeah, so next week is the anniversary show, and we got a big lineup. We got Jericho, sorry, we got uh, Moxley defending the title against Lance Archer. We've got, I believe we've got Miro and Kip Sabian famously in action, which means the smash them, usually. Mm -hmm. We've got Brody, Cody, defending the TNT Championship against Orange Cassidy. And we've got FTR defending the Tag Team Championships against the best friends. So we've got a a triple header of title matches. And uh, I don't know... I don't have any idea where Karshita is. <laughs> she was on the podcast t- today. Okay. And to she was really happy about facing off against 
Nyla when she won the championship and she just talked about how like she does she has like an Instagram and does stories and stuff she was so delightfully happy and upbeat she's a good grammar yeah well that's good so that's next week's dynamite and as for this week's ratings oh boy did uh, a lot of people watch the vice presidential debate last night mm. uh, about 50 million viewers <laughs> um so i mean good democracy i, I guess. guess so yeah I heard AEW did not fall far in the rating as they did a .31 versus last week's .33. They shed 110,000 viewers. Oh my god. And they came in 19th place in the demo. Which is the worst ratings they've had since June. But again... There were there was a there was a debate that fifty million people watched, and there was like uh, ML Major League Baseball playoffs. So I wouldn't read too much into this rating at all. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of dividing the audience. Yes, uh, NXT did even worse, of course. 0.16 in the demo, fifty uh, sixth place, and uh, six hundred and thirty nine thousand viewers. Just move to Tuesday. That you did so well on Tuesday. Tuesday. I know, but so, they did so well on Tuesday. Yeah, it, it did very well. Yeah, you're right. But that would uh, that would defeat the purpose of why it's on cable. <laughs> I know. Uh, no big news items. So uh, you know we've gone a little long with our our, our, our bread tangents and sidetracks. So I think we're just going to get out of here. And uh, we thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with our big. Uh, with our anniversary show um we've been doing this for over a year now and uh maybe we'll we'll try to come up with some special things to talk about on that edition but uh thank you for listening this has been for megan and andy for megan and jenny i'm andy <laughs> the elite beat elite beat elite beat